The old duke's bile has been well and truly stirred. Bloody Balkans! We need to stay well clear of all that. The world is in bloody chaos. That little bastard Welshman Lloyd George has put up supertax to a shilling and fourpence in the pound. The man's a damned communist. Everyone's on strike. Even the buggers who make cricket balls walked out the other day. Bloody nerve. Some communist union will be at the back of that. As his father's tirade against the world gains momentum, Bardi finally realises his mistake and pushes his head deeper into the protection of his newspaper. Fortunately, just as the old man launches into the vexing question of the Irish and their appalling demands for independence, Bardi's two brothers arrive. Morning, father. The two speak almost in unison to their father, John James Hugh Henry Stuart Murray, chief of the Clan Murray and commander-in-chief of the Athol Highlanders, Europe's only surviving private army. As he does every morning, he inspects the attire of his two sons for its propriety and scrutinises their shoes for the obligatory lustrous shine. Not that the boys have to polish their shoes or prepare their clothes. That is all done for them by the valets belonging to Blair Athol's regiment of servants. Why the hell are you two always bloody late? We're not, father. You and Bardi are early. The Duke glances at the clock. It is two minutes to seven. The boys are right, but the old boy growls all the same. Oh, very well, sit down. Bardi wants to tell you about how the world is going mad. Perhaps wisely, Bardi chooses not to reveal any more news, and, with Blair Athol's exemplary staff hovering around them, the four men consume their more than ample breakfasts. A few minutes later the Duke breaks the silence. I'm off to see Inglis about the gardeners. They've cut that bloody hedge by the greenhouse too low again, trying to save themselves work, lazy buggers. The three boys smile at one another as their father leaves. Forsyth, the butler, bows as the Duke passes, and the first footman, Dougie, rushes to open the dining-room door for him. The old Duke's gruff manner disguises a much kinder disposition than appears on the surface. He loves his family, is loyal to his friends, and is generous to those who work for his house and estate. Even so, his views about the health of the nation and the affairs of the world are somewhat blunt, and his solutions to the ills he perceives in both are rather draconian, even by the highly conservative standards of the day. As they are required to by their father, every morning without exception, the three Stuart Murray boys look immaculate in their Prince Charlie jackets and ties and the blue and green tartan kilts of the Murray clan. Each learned Gaelic before English. They went to Eton in turn and then followed one another into the army. They are all decorated soldiers and veterans of the Boer War. Bardi, the tallest and fairest of the three, is forty-three years old and Member of Parliament for West Perthshire. He served in the Royal Horse Guards and commands the Scottish Horse, which General Kitchener asked him to raise for the Boer War.
Lord George, known as Geordie, is shorter, darker, and more solid than Bardi, and his younger brother by two years. He is in the Black Watch, was a defender at Ladysmith, and served in India as aide-de-camp to its viceroy, Lord Elgin. The youngest brother, Lord James, who goes by the name Hamish, the Gaelic form, is more in the mould of Geordie than Bardi, and is the youngest of the family at the age of thirty-four. He is a major.